0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath I'm your host, Jem DiDuccio, and this time round, we're doing the 2023 Gerard Butler movie, Plane. That's the name of the film, Plane. Okay, which allows me to talk about Mr. Butler's career, a little bit about cinema, and why Plane is more important than you might think and why we need to support movies like Plane. Trust me on this, I'm going somewhere with it. But also, I'm going to spend far more time than you might first expect about the French Foreign Legion. And also, movies about airplanes. Let's just get on with it, shall we?
0: Yes, get on with it!
1: If you haven't seen Plane, I'm going to say, I've talked about pop culture which I've absolutely loved. I've talked about pop culture I've absolutely hated but I very rarely talk about solid, reliable, three stars and that's exactly what Plane is. So to unpack all of this the basic premise is this in the movie okay called Plane. Guess what it's about? It's about an airplane but Gerard Butler is a airplane pilot you find out in the first couple of scenes that years ago he was in the RAF so he's had some kind of military training and it's New Year's Eve slash day and it's Singapore airport and he's taking a very small amount of passengers on an airplane from Singapore to Tokyo with me so far and what I was pretty much instantly impressed by is the conversations in the cockpit. Now, I am not a pilot, but I have actually done a fair amount of work for a major airline, which allowed me to see behind the scenes and find out certain functional elements of the day-to-day about flying. And full disclosure, I am not a fan of flying. I hate it, but actually working in that organization made me understand that some of the bumps and clicks that you hear in an airplane are completely normal and not the sign that you're about to crash towards planet Earth and also I now know what things like cross-check and doors to manual and doors to automatic means as well. By the way these are completely normal things do not panic if somebody says that over the tannoy. So the general technical chit-chat between the captain and the co-pilot was really good in the movie and at that point I thought, Do you know what? Somebody's actually put some effort into this, so I was already kind of hooked. Then there's not many people on the airplane. However, they've got one guy in handcuffs, and he is a prisoner who's being taken back to America for a murder charge, and Gerard Butler's not very happy about this. They also realize there's a big tropical storm, but again, really good in the movie, They explain something that is an actual concern about airlines. And what Gerard Butler wants to do is fly around the storm. Zero drama. But from the words of the air traffic control person, the person who's representing the airline, he says two things. He says, first of all, that diversion will add an hour to the flight. And secondly, it'll add $18,000 dollars to the fuel bill and because this plane is almost empty we can't afford to lose any more money on this flight which is a genuine thing that is talked about when it comes to flight diversions you'll be fine go up to forty thousand feet and i thought this was all going to be on the plane but the mildest of mild spoilers because this is what kicks off the whole story they go into the tropical storm which of course is all going to go wrong you know it's going to go wrong It goes more wrong than I actually thought and they end up not exactly crash landing but having a very hard landing onto a Filipino island which is held by a local militia. Now because their transponder's being knocked out by the electrical storm people don't know where the airplane is, has the airplane just smashed up into the Pacific and so it's one of these things where nobody's going to come and help us, we've got to survive ourselves and there's all these bad guys running around with automatic weapons and it's a nice tight thriller i will say no more about the overall plot but if that sounds like your cup of tea it does exactly what it sits on the tin it's got an airplane in it for starters but also and this is why i go into Gerard butler's career he first came to everybody's attention in the movie 300 where he plays the most scottish Spartan ever this is sparta and it works perfectly but it is worth remembering that the movie 300 was not an expensive movie it didn't have the same kind of budget of something like gladiator or troy a lot of it was filmed in front of a green screen, and it looks—it's it, almost better for that. It's highly stylized, and therefore you don't mind that things sometimes look more like a video game. Because quite frankly, these Spartans are acting like a character in video games at times. Huge love for 300. Done a whole episode on it. Feel free to listen to it. But if you were to put Jared Butler into a huge mega movie, that's not really where he is. He has his fans, casual fans. But that's not the point of the film, and really plain reminded me of a movie from the 1990s when, as a number of critics have said, because of the bigger and bigger budgets involved with blockbusters, there now seems to be two types of movies that make it to the big screen. They're either the mega blockbuster films, think of your Marvel movies or superhero movies, or... You're talking about your micro-budgeted, could be horror, could be indie film. Where, If the whole thing costs $5 million, we really don't need a lot of money to cover our costs in this one. It's extremely low risk. So which market isn't particularly hot for horror? Well, it's interesting. It turns out to be China, which is a major market for movies. It turns out... That their ancestor worship, the idea that they don't want to disturb the dead as a sign of respect, which I absolutely get, means that any kind of ghost story, even if it's Casper the Friendly Ghost, is seen as disrespectful. Now, add to it blood-sucking horrors from beyond the grave, and that's why horror movies basically don't get released in China. But the medium-sized movies, the things from the 1990s where it might be to pick Harrison Ford for a moment because he was in a big budget airplane movie called Air Force One and he's widely considered one of those most popular fictional presidents of all time but there's an example of how it's basically Die Hard on an airplane and it works very well in that movie however also he did something like Witness which is a thriller bit of action in it but because it's all set in America and there aren't huge amounts of explosions it didn't cost a lot of money to make they paid mainly for the star that was harrison ford who was incredibly hot at that point in his career and lots of people went to see it and it was nominated for various oscars so you're getting the best of both worlds relatively low budget getting critical acclaim getting commercial profitability and it's a bit of a crowd pleaser as well you're hitting everything with that so well done witness and if it's been a long time since you've seen witness knock yourselves out. Also, interesting to see Danny Glover, you know, Riggs and murtor Danny Glover, playing a dirty cop. He's one of the bad guys in it shortly before he's in Lethal Weapon. That's an example and these sort of mid-level movies, the courtroom dramas, something like Tom Cruise's The Firm, There were loads of these courtroom dramas in the 90s. When was the last time there was a big courtroom drama that grossed a lot of money at the box office? It's just not a thing people do. A lot of these courtroom drama type stories have been turned into miniseries and are now on Amazon Prime, Netflix, etc. It's just the wrong place for them in the 21st century. But... Comparing, strangely, Gerard Butler to Liam Neeson. Now, Liam Neeson, we can argue, is a better actor. This man has been nominated for Oscars. He's been in really important and serious historical movies. It could be Michael Collins, it could be Schindler's List. But he had a bit of a renaissance in his late 50s, playing badly, in many ways, action men. Clearly, Taken is the most famous of the lot. I don't know who you are.
0: I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills.
1: But he's done a load of them, so many of them. They could be called Grey or the Tomb, something called Tombstones or something. There are loads of them. Every year there's another Liam Neeson actioner. Why do I say badly? Because while he's a big guy and he's got a great voice, he has no martial arts skills whatsoever. And in Taken it's that classic edit, 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 so that he looks much faster than clearly Liam Neeson actually is. Whereas with Jared Butler, he's a bit more physical with his acting so i can believe that he's an airline pilot with an air force background i can believe that he's head of a swat team and the thing is that with plane is it only had a budget of 25 million and it's all there on screen at no point do i think oh, it's a bit ropey some of the cgi is better than some of the stuff i've seen in mcu movies the stuff in the plane is really well put together it's it's sweaty and gripping and to a certain extent it's just one set of somebody sitting in a cockpit with his co-pilot and its sound effects and and lighting and it works really well. But that's not particularly expensive to do and indeed what a movie like Plane shows Hollywood as a whole is you don't need to spend a ton of money. They could have had loads of CGI and the camera zooming around the airplane going through lightning and all that kind of stuff. Would they have actually added anything other than just more money to the budget? What you've got is everything you need to tell the story. The budget is sensible, twenty-five million. It grossed worldwide nearly seventy-five million, which means it turned a profit in the theatrical release. And then there's all the rentals and so on and so forth. So it made money. It made so much money that there is going to be a sequel. Interestingly, I mentioned that there was a prisoner who goes onto the plane. That guy is played by Mike Coulter and I've followed Mike Coulter for a while. He's played in a number of things and he's always got a bit of a wink in his eye and he's got a bit of a smile to him. It's hard to think that he might be a murderer and indeed he's exactly the right person to play this role because it turns out it's sort of for a crime he didn't commit, Yada yada yada. Also, it turns out, once they crash land onto the island, that he is ex French Foreign Legion, which allows him to have lots of physical abilities and know how to fire a gun. And him and Gerard Butler, you can believe the two of them can take on a small army of terrorists. Yay! <laughs> What's interesting is the sequel, I guess they figure that with Gerard Butler, A, he's probably a bit more expensive than Mike Coulter. But secondly, how many times is he going to crash land a plane? That's a kind of unusual thing. So the first one's called Plane, and it's around Gerard Butler. The sequel is going to be about Mike Coulter's character, and it's called Ship. Now, I can tell you no more than that. It's being written at the moment. There's obviously the actor's strike, so it hasn't started filming yet. Will it be as good or what have you? But hey, do you know what? With the tight writing, sensible budget, good direction in this movie, I'll be interested in ship. Although somebody might want to fire the people who's coming up with names of these movies because that's not exactly very exciting. But the thing is with Gerard Butler is if you got 25 million and you got a solid idea for a thriller or action movie, get him in. And things can do quite well. He's made a load of these types of movies. It could be law-abiding citizen. It could be the action comedy, The Bounty Hunter with Jennifer Aniston. It could be Cop Shop from 2022, obviously 300 and so on and so forth. There's Olympus Has Fallen and White House Has Fallen, which is sort of a whole series of movies. And he's perfectly reliable in any of these films. And to be clear, plain was never designed to worry the Oscars. It was never designed to be worrying Avatar as one of the biggest grossing movies of all time. What it was meant to do is create a nice tight thriller which keeps everybody happy, keeps the audience engaged, and makes a bit of money. Mission accomplished with it, and therefore I'm not gonna turn around and say, this is essential. If you haven't seen playing, you haven't lived. However, if you're thinking, I want to watch something on a Saturday night. I want to get a pizza in, and I just want to enjoy myself. Well, for a little under two hours, Plane will do that job. And so Gerald Butler, a bit like Liam Neeson, has carved a little industry of these medium-budgeted films that tell the story it needs to tell and no more than that. They know what they are in any of these situations, and I say bravo to that. The other thing is that this is directed by Jean-Francois Richet. You might guess he's French, which might be where we get the French Foreign Legion from, because, quite frankly, the Mike Coulter character, there's no reason why he can't be a former Green Beret or a former Marine. Any of these things would make complete sense, but let's add something a little bit different to it. And there is no other real reference to the French Foreign Legion in the film... But it made me think, Do you know what? The French Foreign Legion used to be a far more popular thing to have in movies. Indeed, there was a joke when I was a little kid that were in several films where people would join the French Foreign Legion and they'd be talking in the trenches, usually somewhere in North Africa and they're surrounded by sand. It's like, why did you join the Legion? To forget. To forget what? I don't know, I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, silly joke, but for most of the 20th century if the movie was set inside the french foreign legion or if you found out that somebody was ex-foreign legion it was shorthand for these are really tough guys these guys have been through hell and yet in the 21st century not really spoken about and yet they are still a fully functioning and as i am talking right now still in africa carrying out combat operations that's really interesting. So, Jean-Francois Richet, you may not know the name, but he did the two-part, highly regarded films of Miserine. These are around about 2008, 2009, I seem to recall. They're French-language films. Very, They're very gritty. These aren't French art house where people are sitting there smoking galois, wearing black polo necks and uh, talking about philosophy. No, these are like... French versions of Goodfellas So nice to see that, that, that area And in 2016 He did a kind of comeback movie For Mel Gibson Called Bloodfather Which is just like Plain It isn't an expensive movie It's just a nice tight little thriller Off the top of my head I don't know what the budget Was for Bloodfather but it wouldn't surprise me If it was something like 18 to 20 million, because there's no reason to spend any more money than that, and Mel Gibson at that time was a highly unknown quantity as will anybody go and see this film. But it's again, like playing, those would be a good double bill of an evening to just have some nice, tight, sensible action films. Now, please don't get me wrong, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I'm a fan of John Wick. But as those have got bigger and bigger, and again, the stunt work is just top-notch, platinum class that's what you want but there was this whole industry in the 80s and 90s of these low budget we know what they are type action movies and so something like plane something like Bloodfather would be in the same territory as a hard target the jean-claude van damme movies of the 80s and early 90s fits in here quite well and I miss those sorts of films. Again, I could watch John Wick all day. That's, that's not a problem for me. But, as I said previously, action films in the 80s and 90s, which were quite sweary and bloody and lots of gunplay, knives, etc., that act.
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: ...mainly in the 21st century has turned into superheroes, where there's no weight to it. If you've got Superman punching some demigod, I don't feel it. You get far more two normal human beings... In the case of Plane, rolling around in a derelict room, desperately trying to grab a cord to strangle each other or being thrown over a tabletop, something like that. And that has more kinetic energy. You feel it more than any amount of CGI in a Marvel movie. So well done to Plane. And just before I go into the whole French Foreign Legion thing, like I say, I'll be spending a bit of time on that. Let's talk about plane movies, because a while ago, I was given the challenge to do an episode about submarines, and with the submarines, it turns out to be an entire genre. They could be war movies, they could just be sweaty thrillers, and anyway, if you want to know more about that, watch that. In a way, you could argue the plane movie is the complete opposite. If it's going to literally be set on an airplane, well, the events have to take perhaps a maximum of 12 hours to unfold. So it's not quite in real time, but there's definitely a time limit before this airplane runs out of fuel and will have to smash into the ground. But also, a little bit like the submarines, you're in a contained environment. There's nowhere you can escape to. And there are the classic things of somebody's gun goes off at 30,000 feet and then you get the decompression thing and it's all windy and all that kind of stuff. So... Just as there's this fascination by filmmakers where it's almost like a cheat, almost like a shorthand by having sweaty pressure with a submarine, you can have, in essence, sweaty pressure on an airplane as well. There's Con Air, Nicolas Cage action classic, which is almost exclusively set on an airplane. Then we got Executive Decision with Kurt Russell, a thoroughly underrated action movie from the 1980s. Halle Berry's in it as a very capable air stewardess. And in that one, that's another great one where you have the whole action sequence and they're trying to foil a terrorist plot and you think, okay, that's the end of the movie. Terrorist plot averted. But it's like, no, you now have to land the plane, which is a whole nother 10 minutes of sweaty pressure great stuff you know it's just fun if you like i've mentioned air force one with harrison ford you can have the more serious ones like flight starring denzel washington it's almost like if you're a great actor or actress you can basically have your airplane movie In, in jodie foster in red eye there are loads of these different ones out there and one of the greatest comedies of all time airplane which is playing off the 1970s trend of these airplane disaster movies. There are multiple ones of those. So all of this together means that airplanes are an actual genre within movies rather than just a vehicle that just happens to be in a film, which is something I find absolutely fascinating. But let's get back to the French Foreign Legion, because I'm going to say this is one of these units where you've at least heard of them, but then you may not understand... What are they, and when did they start happening, and what's the point of them? They were founded in 1831 by King Louis-Philippe, because there have been multiple republics and empires courtesy of France. Well done. I think they're on the Fifth Republic now, so better late than never. There was actually a king in 1831 in France. And the reason why they were founded is because in 1830, France invaded Algeria. Now, a large amount of North Africa had been under Ottoman rule for centuries, but as the Ottoman Empire was fading away, some of these Islamic princes broke away, but they didn't really have any natural allies. The expansionist European powers, this is easy picking, kind of revenge as well. And so, yeah, France decided to go for Algeria, not for any particular reason other than we can. What's interesting is it took them a little over 70 years to pacify Algeria. So by the early 1900s, they've now finally got Algeria. And they managed to hold on to it for a little over 60 years. So that was worth it? Question mark. But it was brutal. Counterinsurgency. If you've never seen the movie Battle for Algiers, it's considered one of the greatest, most realistic war movies of all time. It became almost legendary when it turned out that the CIA actually showed it to some of the people inside every year as an example of a textbook insurgency and counterinsurgency operations. That's how realistic it is. The CIA use it for training purposes. It is a blistering piece of cinema i cannot recommend it enough and again it's it's so good so realistic it was banned in france for decades even though it was made by a frenchman so anyway 1831 french foreign legion is created and the key is apart from the officers you're not allowed to be french in it so this is an opportunity to hire Local Africans to become part of the French army. It's one of these things where well, you can't be in the French army, you're not French, so where do we put you? And over the years, it just became a place where if you were tough enough and if you perhaps were of low moral standing, this would be a place where you could wipe the slate clean. Because if you serve in the French Foreign Legion for three years, you can automatically get French. Citizenship, it doesn't matter where you've come from, they don't look too closely into it. Hence, that joke earlier about you know, forgetting yourself in the French Foreign Legion. That was one of the pieces of appeal of this unit of about 9,000 men. You have to be a man for it. But what was I found interesting is where it may be three years' service, but I love this fact. That if you are fighting for the French Foreign Legion and you're wounded in battle as part of the French Foreign Legion, you immediately become French. And it's the process is referred to as, obviously it's in French, but I'll say it in English, French by spilled blood. And I love that. I think every army should have a unit like that, because if these people are willing to take a bullet for, for another country, congratulations, you've done more for this country than the lazy layabouts in the country, welcome to the team. And I like that. I think that's that's really great. And it shows you the egalitarian atmosphere with it. It's part of who they are and and why it's so important. I think you can tell I really like it. And indeed, the motto for the French Foreign Legion is honour and brotherhood. And that is the point once you're in the French Foreign Legion. But you could say that's essentially the same motto for the U.S. Marine Corps or whatever. But these guys really have been all over the place. They're incredibly proud of their past history and where they've actually been in. Obviously, they start in Algeria in 1831. I mean, this is the thing. They're nearly 200 years old. This is a longly held institution. And yet, when I say French Foreign Legion, you're probably thinking of them with the white keepies, which is the hats with the peak coming out of it. You're right. That's what they have. But you're also probably thinking of them in the big dark blue uniforms and the coat and the little flappy bit of, of white coming off the back of the keepy and it's like yeah congratulations you just described a french foreign legion outfit from the second half of the 19th century funnily enough they don't dress like that anymore however the actual caps are part of the dress uniform to this day but when they're in battle they're in full fatigues and combat gear and etc etc and they sort of look like any other unit so they were in algeria for over 70 years And they did fight on numerous occasions uh, in Africa. So I'll give you one example of another thing, which I've mentioned before, is they were involved in the Second Dahomey War. Dahomey is in West Africa, and this is where the Dahomey Amazons, the all-female black military unit... talk about that. It's the woman king. That's what the whole movie's about, although it's set way before the French Foreign Legion were involved. So they were up against one of the most distinctive military units in world history, and they fought them and acquitted themselves well. They fought in Algeria in a bloody nasty bit of a colonial land grab there. But the rule is that the unit is not meant to fight in France. There is one exception to this, the Franco-Prussian War, and that's because France was desperate as the Germans invaded and surrounded everything. They did successfully retake Orléans from the Prussians. I nearly said Germans. They're going to be German after the Franco-Prussian War. And they did try and relieve the siege of Paris, but were beaten back. The French Foreign Legion don't win all the time, but they acquit themselves admirably in the field of combat. They were involved in the Crimean War. They were there in the Italian War of Independence, which created the modern country of Italy. They were in World War I and World War II, of course. And then after World War II, France tried to reclaim its Asian territories. It was an area called French Indochina, which included three modern countries, Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. So you have the French Foreign Legion fighting in Vietnam you've got obviously the battle for Algiers more recently we're talking about the Gulf War we're talking about the Balkans places like Sarajevo and Kosovo and Afghanistan like I say there's literally an Operation Sentinel being undertaken right now in Africa Central Africa against various Islamic groups and they're there fighting right now So the French Foreign Legion are still taking applicants if you're interested. It is some of the most brutal training, not just physically, but also psychologically. Its reputation is that you are very, very tough if you can get through the training and if you serve your three years. But hey, you get to be French at the end of it. So maybe it's all worth it. That's down to you and how much you love the French. But regardless, the French Foreign Legion has faded away in terms of its mystique, largely because the Americans don't know what it is and they love to talk about, you know, hey, he's an ex-Marine or he's an ex-Delta Force. But French Foreign Legion in the real world are just as tough as Marines and Green Berets. To quote Arnold Schwarzenegger I eat Green Berets for breakfast, that could also be one of the mottos of the French Foreign Legion. Going back to the Mike Coulter character, the french foreign legion side of things well it's not outright said he's being taken back for this crime which led to him running away and going to the french foreign legion and that's exactly the story of a lot of men particularly in the late 19th century and early 20th century this is one of the reasons why it gets such a fearsome reputation because in those days this was their last chance this was their way to as i said earlier wipe the slate clean but also do things like start again, move to a different country without fearing extradition and and being hunted down. It is assumed that a number of these people put down fake names when they signed up. No questions were really asked. And therefore, if these men are so desperate, you can put them in desperate situations. There was a French-Chinese war, for heaven's sake. And if you were I mean, indeed, this would still apply today. But if we go back to the 19th century, if you did the Crimean War, well, you might do the Crimean War. You might have been in Algeria fighting, then be sent to the Crimea to fight, then come back to Algeria, then be shipped off to somewhere like French Indochina or somewhere like China proper itself it wasn't a case of three years done I get to go out of here some men enjoyed it some men stayed and certainly when it came to the the NCOs people like the sergeants for example these were men who just stuck at it in the French foreign legion of course the interesting thing is I said they'll take anybody from anywhere so if I am from Cameroon which is another area that ended up being taken over by the French well I might speak a local language But then there might be a Brit there, and then there might also be an Italian there. How do these peoples talk to each other? They all understand completely different languages. And the answer is, on top of everything else, like learning how to shoot, learning how to force march, learning military tactics, you also had to learn French as well. Which makes complete sense, because when the officer, who's French, shouts out instructions in French, like duck or start charging forwards men it's useful to know what the orders are in a language so they did recognise that this could be a potential problem and they managed to sort that out what's interesting is in the movie is at no point is there any more French being used and just as a sidebar like I said the, the French Foreign Legion were involved in nasty little wars and unbelievably there is one bit of controversy around the Philippines which is where this is the the crash landing of the plane happens so you'd think that nobody could possibly take offense at a movie called plane which has a pretty basic plot etc you could argue that maybe France wants to see this as an inaccurate view of an ex-veteran of the legion by the way that's the nickname for it it's just the legion or legion so that's one thing but no as I said the plot is they land on this island and it's taken over by terrorists etc now what's interesting is is this was set in let's say the years 2005 that would be a thing there were a number of islands far away from the main core of the philippines the philippines is a massive archipelago of hundreds of islands obviously clearly some are much larger than others most of them covered in thick dense rainforest as well perfect place for insurgencies Don't believe me? Ask the French Foreign Legion about how it went in Vietnam. I digress. The point here is, though, that while that was an actual thing, let's say in the year 2005, so the Philippines is quite Catholic Christian, but it's pretty close to Indonesia, which is the most populous Muslim country in the world, and so some of these groups did move over to Filipino islands and indeed Indonesian islands but it's quite clear to make the plot work that this island is under complete control by these baddies which to be honest it's never quite clear what they are are they islamic there is scenes of executions and things like that well not sorry implied executions, sort of i don't want to, to put you off so that's a thing so maybe they are islamic terrorists or maybe they're drug dealers or whatever maybe they're bandits pirates it's never quite clear they're just bad guys and they act in a bad way but because it is said that these guys are so terrifying that the filipino army refuses to actually go to the island by the way it was filmed in puerto rico which is about as far away as you can get from the philippines but it's a jungle island good enough question mark so you know no filipinos were harmed in the making of this movie but filipino governmental sensibilities were harmed as it made it made out their armed forces were losing a battle that they had actually already won and also that their army was too scared to go and fight a bunch of pirates so i get that i get how they might be a bit fed up about it so in the end the movie theatrical release was actually canned in the philippines and so it went straight to like video on demand or dvd and i'm sure it got pirated to death and i'm sure they made zero money in the philippines but it's not exactly the biggest theatrical market ever but that's an example with a tiny bit of real world politics getting involved in a movie as insignificant and and as easygoing as something like plain it's clearly not meant to be read as a political view on what's going on in filipino politics in the 2020s if that's what you're going for boy do you need to pick up a book hopefully you enjoyed that one maybe check out the movie let me know what you think and as always i tweet out all this information on twitter and also on threads please spread it please tell people about it would really appreciate it and if you give us a review i'd really appreciate that too and as always another episode coming soon